You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham. Thank you for being here. We're always on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, everywhere you get your podcasts, we are there. Please hit that subscribe button, whatever platform you're on, hit the subscribe button. I really appreciate it. Also, be sure and check out the description. I try to always put the timing of segments so you guys can skip ahead, skip back, whatever you want to do. I just want you guys to get the content you want. Today, I'm going to talk more about the NBA, of course. A lot going on there. We're in the thick of the season. We're coming down the home stretch, getting towards the playoffs. And my Utah Jazz, my beloved Utah Jazz, continue to dominate. Last night, the Jazz go on the road. They shoot poorly. And they're without their best player, and they just win by a mere 23 points. Just pure dominance. I mean, that's how good this team is. On the road, missing their best player, and they shoot poorly, and they win by 23. Yes, it was against the lowly Rockets, but still, it's an NBA team. 23-point victory on the road, shooting poorly, and without your best player. I'm telling you, it's impressive. Okay, right on cue, Steph goes cold, by the way. He was 7 of 25 last night. Uh, finally comes back down to earth. I had mentioned yesterday how he's not the MVP, and he is absolutely not. In fact, I was thinking about it. He goes and has this great, tremendous hot streak, which was insanely impressive. I mean, the guy is far and away the greatest shooter of all time. We know that. I've talked about that. I'm open about that. I believe in that. I actually love Steph Curry. He's one of my very favorite players to watch. Love the dude. So it's not hate to say that he's not the MVP. That's me being honest as a podcaster on what I think about Steph Curry. He's not the MVP. I don't see him pulling his team to victories at the same rate that I see other players being able to do it. And so to me, that's where real value is. So I was thinking about it yesterday even more. And I thought, you know, everyone's just going crazy for Steph right now. Why are we not talking about Zion Williamson as the potential MVP? Why is Zion not being discussed? Because his team is also not in the playoffs, just like Steph's isn't. They'll probably reach a play-in game, whereas the Pelicans may not. But they're right there, just a couple games apart from each other, the Warriors and the Pelicans. And Zion is number three in the NBA in PER. And Steph is number five. Zion's among the league leaders in points per game. Zion's among the league leaders in field goal percentage. Why is he not being discussed for MVP? I haven't heard his name mentioned once for a potential MVP race, whereas Steph's all of a sudden is getting mentioned just because he had a couple games in a row hitting 10 threes. Yeah, it's really impressive, but this, the MVP race isn't about some sideshow gimmick. And I'm not saying it's a, it's a gimmick to hit threes, but if, it not, if it's not leading to wins, and in the end, it's just who scores more points than the other team, and he and Zion are doing, their stats are about the same, their team results are about the same, why is Zion not being mentioned? In fact, Zion's PER is above Steph's. Zion's field goal percentage, of course, he's dunking it versus shooting threes, is above Steph. And again, it's all about results. So anyway, Steph's not the MVP, nor is Zion Williamson. And it's just because their teams aren't playing at a high enough level. If their teams were among the top two or three in their conference, that would be a different story. They'd be the front runners for MVP. This year's MVP race is really interesting because a lot of the best players just aren't playing as many games. LeBron James was one of the front runners. He's been sitting out for a while. He's now at least weeks away, they're saying, a couple of weeks away from coming back. Kevin Durant would be a front runner. He certainly hasn't played enough games. James Harden became a front runner. He's now been sitting out for a while and had a setback. He's going to be out even longer. Um, 
the list kind of just goes on and on of these guys that are just sitting out. Joel Embiid was a front runner. He then set out a bunch of games, and now, you know, is he back in the mix? Is he not? He's he's back playing, but is he back in the mix of MVP? I don't know. I'm going to get into all that. Real quick, though, with regards to Steph's game last night, they lose to the Wizards. So the Wizards are now winners of six straight. And again, I'm not a Wizards fan, but I'm kind of rooting for them this year just because I made a bold prediction early in the season. They were sitting in the 13th seed in the East, and I actually put them in my power rankings as the 10th best team. That was wrong in hindsight. That was wrong. But the bold prediction was that they would make the playoffs. I said, there's no way this team misses the playoffs. With Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, there's no way this team misses the playoffs. Well, with last night's victory over Steph Curry and the Warriors, the Washington Wizards are now in sole possession of 10th place in the Eastern Conference, which is now ridiculously a playoff spot in the NBA. It's just a play-in game for the playoffs, but it's kind of a playoff spot. It gives them a real chance to be in the playoffs. They're now in sole possession of 10th, winners of six straight, Russell Westbrook with yet another triple-double. The dude is truly a walking triple-double. I tweeted last night that if Russell Westbrook could learn to shoot he'd be he would go down as one of the truly all-time great players one of the all-time best of the best he is a walking triple double he he can do everything there's nothing he can't do and he even said that he's like i'm the kind of guy if you need a bunch of points i'll go get you a bunch of points if you need a bunch of rebounds i'll go do that if you need a bunch of assists i'll go do that if he could learn to shoot then and i would add i didn't put this in the tweet but i would add if he could also cut back on his turnovers he averages 5.1 turnovers per game this year and sometimes he's just a little out of control um his his hyperactivity is good in a lot of ways uh, for his passion and his athleticism but sometimes in his decision making it's pretty awful so if he could learn to shoot and cut his turnovers down by like almost half you know i don't mind seeing three turnovers a game two and a half but 5.1, that's a lot of turnovers. So if he could cut those back and then get his shooting percentage to bump up, he'd be an all-time great. He really, truly would be. Uh, ironically, though, we learned last night, and I don't know if you saw this interview, but apparently Russell Westbrook is number one in the NBA in field goal percentage in the clutch. So again, in the clutch means the last five minutes of a game or overtime, so last five minutes of the game with the score within five points or more in that clutch time that the NBA is dubbed clutch time, Russell Westbrook actually has the highest field goal percentage, which is really ironic for a guy that doesn't shoot very well. That's a good stat for, for Russell Westbrook. And anyway, he has that whole meme where he's like, ah, interesting. You know, that <laughs> that interview he did a couple years back. And he, anyway, when he was told that by the reporter last night, he did the same thing. He goes, ah, interesting. So I like Russell Westbrook. I know most people don't. I like the guy. Um, he's a tremendous talent. Again, if he could just get his act together a little bit uh, with shooting and turnovers and just improve those, even just a little bit, just cut your turnovers down to three per game instead of five and bump your field goal percentage up by like 3% is all in three-pointers, all of a sudden you've got a guy that's it's truly, truly an all-time great and could probably win a title. But those are, those are things he just struggles with. So... Um, but yeah, so kind of back to the MVP race, it's, it's just, you know, Russell Westbrook, former MVP that doesn't even get talked about. He's going to have his fourth season averaging a triple double will not even get a vote. He won't get one single vote and he shouldn't honestly, um, because of the field goal percentage, because of the turnovers, and especially because his team's record is pretty awful, though they may make the playoffs. We'll see. But, um, yeah, so, so my MVP right now, 
and it has got to be Nikola Jokic. And it's kind of by default. He's playing phenomenal. He's actually number one in the NBA in PER. So Jokic's stats, you know, again, he's number one in PER. And then uh, he's averaging 26.4 points per game, 85% from the free throw line, 41% from three-point land, 57% from the field, 11 rebounds, 8.7 assists. He's got 15 triple-doubles. 1.4 steals, 0.7 blocks. I mean, he's just filling up the stat sheet. There actually is not a single category that I'm looking at here of those major statistical categories that is bad for Jokic, which is why he's number one in the NBA in PER. And his team now is continuing to win. They've won four straight. They're eight and two in their last 10. And they're without Jamal Murray now. And they're continuing to win. So to me, Jokic, and, and he's playing. He's played 58 games, which is something his... MVP competitors have not done. So to me, Jokic is the MVP. Uh, you got to give it to Jokic. Embiid is a guy who has played 40 games. So you have to actually play 70% of your team's games to even qualify to be among the league leaders in statistical categories. I don't think that applies to MVP voting. I think they just vote for who they want. But if you don't even if you don't even qualify to like make the make it the the league leader list because you didn't play in enough of your team's games, you certainly can't be voted MVP. So right now, Embiid has played 64% of his team's games. If he finishes the season playing the remain the remaining games, he'll be at 73% of his team's games. And his team is in number one in the Eastern Conference. I think they will finish there because the Nets are in trouble right now with injury. So the 76ers will probably finish as the one seed in the East. And Embiid will probably finish uh, with at least 73% of his of his team's games being played. And Embiid is a guy who you could argue is the MVP because of those things, but does an MVP really only need to play 73% of a team's games? I think it should be like 90. I think if you want to be the MVP, you should have to play 90% of your team's games. That's getting, in this year's season, with 72-game season, that means you'd have to play 64 or 65 games. Is that too much to ask to play 64 or 65 of 72? That means you get seven games off. You look back in the 90s when guys, their careers were plenty long still. They were making plenty of money. The game was actually more physical. And they were playing 81, 82 games regularly. Carl Malone like never missed games. John Stockton never missed games. Michael Jordan never missed games. I don't know. I don't I just don't think it's too much to ask to say, look, if you're gonna be the most valuable player. You should have to play to be a player, to be a most valuable player. You should probably have to play the games. If I had an MVP vote, I don't know if I'd put a hard cap at like 90% or nothing, you know. But to me, you got to play more than just 70%. So I think Embiid is, in my opinion, disqualified, even if he finishes out the season. Um, I think he'd be worthy of getting some votes and finishing in the top, you know, three or four. But I don't think you can be the MVP if you... If you missed 27% of your team's games, how valuable are you if you missed 27% of the games? Can you imagine if at your job you were like, yeah, I'm just never going to work on Thursdays. Everyone else is working, by the way. The whole company's working Monday through Friday. But you were like, nah, I'm going to take I'm going to take one of the one of the days off every week. Would you be the most valuable employee at that company? I don't think so. So if you're if you're missing all these games, I don't see how you can be most valuable. So Steph Curry's missed a bunch. Giannis has missed a bunch. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George sit out quite a bit. Um, Jimmy Butler's missed a bunch. Luca's played a lot. His team's not performing super high, but Luca's a guy that I think deserves some votes. 
Um, you know, LeBron's missed a bunch. Durant and, and Anthony Davis and uh, James Harden have missed a bunch. There's just so many guys that have missed a bunch of games. It's like, I don't even, I mean, at this point, it's really, it's Jokic. Lillard was a guy I was really high on. He's now dropped down to 10th in PER. His team's also been headed in the wrong direction. So I can't give it to Lillard over over Jokic. So to me, it's really like, it's Jokic. I mean, I'm looking at this. It's, I mean, who else are you going to give it to? It's Jokic. I mean, you can't give it to, honestly, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's Jokic. The, the MVP is Jokic. So congratulations, Nikola Jokic. You are the 2021 NBA MVP. I would probably put second. I would probably say Kawhi Leonard, and I've not even mentioned him before. But Kawhi is, he's played at least, he's played more games than, than uh, Embiid has to this point. So he'll finish the season probably having played 80% of his team's games, somewhere in there. And he is uh, fourth in PER. His team is surging. They're third in the West. He's clearly the league leader or the team leader uh, for them. He's averaging 27 or 26 points a game. Uh, he's shooting 52% from the field, 39% from three, 88% from the foul line, 6.7 rebounds, 5.1 assists. Um, to me, Kawhi Leonard would probably be second in MVP voting. But again, it's kind of by default. A lot of the top players just aren't playing enough games, you know, to, to qualify. So um, I would say Jokic is the MVP. Okay, now into my power rankings. NBA MVP power rankings. We've got some shifting going on. A lot to talk about here. Got a new team that has made the list. At number one, I got to go with the Utah Jazz. It's the same old boring, dominating story. Just boring, yawn dominance by the Utah Jazz. Best record in the league. Best point differential in the league. Um, most wins against teams with 500 record or better. They're third in points per game. They're uh, fourth in points allowed per game. They're first in rebounds, fifth in blocks, first in three-point field goals made, third in three-point field goal percentage. It's literally just blah dominance by the Utah Jazz. So boring old number one over and over and over again. My Utah Jazz just dominating. Again, they win by 23 last night without their best player on the road, and they shoot poorly, win by 23. That's how good they are. So that's my number one spot. Number two, Clippers. I talked earlier a few weeks ago, maybe two, three weeks ago, about how the Clippers weren't a team I really feared in the West for the Utah Jazz. I only feared the Lakers. Well, that's changed. I definitely fear the Clippers. The Clippers are surging. Paul George is playing very, very well. To me, he's the key to that team. We know Kawhi's going to perform. Will Paul George in the playoffs perform? He's done it before, but it was years ago with Indiana, and he's not done it for many, many years. Playoff P has been a, a kind of a joke, actually. Will he be different this season in the playoffs? That is yet to be determined, but right now, he's a guy that could finish with some MVP votes. Honestly, that's how well he's playing. They've won, I think, six straight, or they've won... Sorry, they've not won six straight, but they're like nine and one in their last 10. Um, the Clippers are playing very, very well. Uh, they're load managing, which I hate. Like Kawhi and Paul George didn't play last night. They won without both of them. Uh, but they can afford to load manage, even though I hate it, because they went through their growing pains last year. They built up their team chemistry last year. They went through their growing pains last year. They can afford to do it. They are fifth in the league in points per game, fifth in the league in points allowed per game. First in, in three-point field goal percentage and first in free throw percentage. Those things matter. Those things matter. They are number one in the league in both those categories. The Los Angeles Clippers at number two. Number three, I got to go with the Phoenix Suns. Um, 
They have the second best record in the league, second best point differential in the league, second most wins against plus 500 teams in the league. They've got three studs. They've got a great trio there in Chris Paul, uh, Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton. And something I talked about uh, a couple weeks ago was the Chris Paul effect. And for those that missed that podcast, I'm going to talk about it again briefly now. This dude, he's actually one of my least favorite players, but he just wins. He's never been to a finals, never even been to a conference finals. So his playoff per, his playoff results have not been great, but he just wins. I mean, he went to the Bobcats, the Hornets, you know, as a rookie. The year before he arrived, they were 18 and 64. His rookie season, 38 wins. That's a 20-game increase in wins. Uh, they won 56 games by his third season. After he left, they immediately dropped back down to 21 wins. It was, I mean... A thirty-one, a 31.318 win percentage after he leaves when they were third in the, uh, or 56 and 26 the year before, playoff team, dominating team. Goes to the Clippers. The year before he arrives, they win 39% of their games. His first year there, they win 61% of their games. They nearly double their win percentage just by adding him. They have 50-plus wins each of the next five seasons in, in Los Angeles with the Clippers. Year he leaves, they miss the playoffs. He goes to the Rockets. They were 55 and 27, second in the West before he got there. He gets there. They immediately jump up 10 games to 65 and 17 and are first in the West. And that was when the Warriors had their stacked of all stacked teams. They were one game from the finals. Um, and it was actually, they lose a game seven against the Warriors, a game in which he had to sit out due to injury. And I think they win that game if he plays. They, leave, they lose him, they add Westbrook in place of him, and they drop all the way down to 44-28 and 28 with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. That's like a 21-game like a drop from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook. Then he goes to the Thunder. The Thunder were 49-33 and 33 with Westbrook and Paul George the year before he got there. Um, they replace Westbrook and Paul George. They replace two superstars with one aging overpaid star. And for those listening, I'm doing the quotes in my hands because that's what Chris Paul was viewed as. He was an aging and overpaid star. And the result, they they went, they made the playoffs at a first-round exit, um, but they made the playoffs. Same, same result as they had the year before. And they replaced two superstars with one, quote, aging and overpaid star. They were like in a rebuild or something. It was like a throwaway trade. And they ended up making the playoffs and barely not getting out of the first round. Um, This year, the Thunder, Tank City again without him. The Suns last year and for years prior have not made the playoffs this year, second in the league. That's the Chris Paul effect. This guy's the real deal. Okay, so they are number three in my power rankings. Number four in the power rankings, Philadelphia 76ers. They're playing well. What can I say? Doc Rivers is a good coach. Joel Embiid's MVP caliber player. Ben Simmons is overrated, but he's really talented still. Um, They have guys... Uh, they've got the pieces and they're first in the East. Got to give them some credit. Uh, in the five spot, I've actually got the Denver Nuggets and I'm very surprised. I had dropped the Denver Nuggets last last week down to number nine. Uh, it was actually like a week and a half ago. That was r- largely due to uh, Jamal Murray going out, but they've won four straight without him. So Jokic is playing MVP level. They're winning without him. We've seen an emergence of Michael Porter Jr., which I predicted. And the Nuggets are playing really well. So I've got them in the five spot. I don't see them going far in the playoffs. I think they're a second-round exit. Uh, but I'd say they're, they're deserving of that fifth spot in my power rankings right now. 
So again, we haven't seen the Nets or the Lakers. And those are the two best teams if healthy, right? But neither one of them is healthy. So in the sixth seed, I, I do have uh, the Brooklyn Nets. And this is just because they're headed in the wrong direction. Harden's out. He's got this setback. He's going to be out longer. We might not see him till the playoffs start, honestly. Durant barely plays anymore. He's played like 20-something games this year, which is less than half of the team's games. He didn't play at all last year. He's not durable. He got a dead leg, and it's knocked him out for several games. Um, Kyrie is the most expendable of their three superstars, and he's the one that's the most healthy and playing. But he takes time off whenever he wants just to go relax and vacation. So they're not headed in the right direction. So to me, the Brooklyn Nets are in trouble. They're a team that if healthy um, and had the chemistry, they'd win the finals, but I don't see it happening right now. So until they change that, I've got to keep dropping them in my rankings. So number six, we'll see if they can turn it around though. Um, Number seven, I have the Lakers. And the reason for this is I believe LeBron is healthy or will be. And uh, he's, he's at least a couple weeks away from being back, which means he might not play till the playoffs. But I think you'll see him come back for like one or two games at the end of the season. Um, three or four maybe tops, but I think you'll see him miss at least another six or seven games. And then they're saying Anthony Davis is going to come back tonight against the Mavericks, which is a really big game for these teams for seeding purposes. But now the injury report says he's out. So I've seen mixed reports. Anthony Davis is back. Anthony Davis is not. I don't know. But either way, he's clearly very close to coming back. LeBron, I know, will be back. And they've managed to be just barely better than 500 without these guys. Um, so there are they the seventh best team in the league? No, they're not without those guys. They're much, much worse than that, but with those guys, they're much, much better. So seven seems like kind of a good spot to put them right now. Uh, in the eighth spot, I have the Milwaukee bucks. Milwaukee is a team that's really underachieving. This is a team that had championship aspirations. They, they extended Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, you know, it seemed like they were just barely shy of an NBA finals appearance. And now they're like an afterthought. They're they're the third best team in the in the Eastern Conference. I'd say they're the eighth best team in the NBA. Um, disappointing, but got them in the eighth seed. The number nine spot I have the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks. A team I've never talked about once on this podcast. But Julius Randle is a bona fide all-star. The dude's just balling out, playing fantastic. R.J. Barrett is playing really well. Derek Rose back in New York, back with Coach Tom Thibodeau. He's playing really well. Tom Thibodeau is doing a heck of a job coaching this team. Um, Derek Rose, career high in three-point field goal percentage. Again, he was Thibodeau was the coach of the Bulls when Derek Rose was a Bull and won his MVP. The two reunited. Derek Rose, second chance in New York, second chance with his former coach. I like it. They're playing really well. Um, they've won eight straight. The New York Knicks have, and they're they're poised to actually do some damage in the playoffs. That's a team nobody wants to play in the first round. I can promise you that. Um, they have seven guys averaging double figures. Alec Burks, former Jasmine, playing well over there. Emmanuel Quickly is a rookie. He's going to get some Rookie of the Year votes, maybe. I mean, he's not Rookie of the Year, but he's he's probably fourth best rookie in the NBA this year. Um, he's playing really well. And again, the seven guys, seven guys that are averaging double figures over there. So they're in number nine. Number 10, I have the Miami Heat. So two teams that dropped this week, Dallas and Portland. I dropped both of them from my power rankings. They're just headed in the wrong direction. Losing record in their last 10. Don't like the direction they're headed. Uh, Miami Heat coming up, winners of three straight, defending Eastern Conference champs, getting healthy. Um, I've got them at number 10. So those are the STB Sports Take power rankings. My predictions are that's going to change a lot 
over the next you know week or so. This is a this is a this is an ever evolving thing. These power rankings and the MVP voting because if guys miss games, I'm not going to vote for them for MVP. If teams lose a bunch in a row, even though I predicted they wouldn't, I can't. I, I got to own that and be like, look, I was wrong about the Trailblazers. I thought the Blazers would be much better when they got those guys back. They weren't. They got worse somehow. And so Lillard falls a little bit from my MVP votes, uh, and the team drops out of the power ranking. So it's an ever-evolving thing. We live and we learn. That's the podcast today, guys. Stay cool. I'll see you manana. I am out. Peace. Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Cause we are